Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the Beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Terrace here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And Williams, also my buddy, my Christmas pal, the man with the plan, the guy who's got to be disappointed with me right now because Scott Foster, you know who he is, John. This man, you're going to have to put him in witness protection soon. I'm telling you that right now. This man is going to be ruining, so he's ruining Knicks fans, especially when it comes to these Nets Knicks games. It's insanity, man. Absolute insanity. The, the 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 foul calls were just uneven. I don't know what's going on with this man. Well, I do know what's going on with this man. Scott Foster. Don't need to go into that. But you know who's with me to get into this game today? My guy, the one and only John Malika. John, how are you doing today, bro? <laughs> what up, Alex? What up, man? I am very disappointed coming off this game, but I, I don't think the calls were too egregious, too unfair. Uh, I just have a, an issue with the Mitch call at the end there. For I mean, you want to give KD the, the the fouls and the dunks, I get it, but you got to give James like James Johnson, yeah, a, a stupid like finger foul off Mitch Robinson with two seconds left after KD had a shot. That one, that one was tough. But overall, man, hell of a game, hell of a confidence booster for me personally. Coming off a huge decision, which. Let's get into, we, you know, we, we have the perfect man on uh, to discuss it. But, you know, I, I'm confident in this team going forward, how they played the Nets, you know, the first game off this new uh, rotation. And I'm ready to go, man. Bring on the Bulls at home. You know, let's go. I'm ready. Let's go. And John's alluding to our phenomenal guest that we got with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, this man's been on the pod before. We got Larry Hammonds back on the pod with us. He's a contributor at Hoops Habit, host of the Rotten Apples podcast. All right, covers all the New York sports over there. One quarter of culture on Monday nights on Spotify Green Room. Larry, my guy, how you doing today, man? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for the introduction. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, unfortunately, it's after a, a tough loss to the Crosstown Rivals, but I'm good. I'm chilling, man. Happy to be here. 
Yeah, man, we're always happy to have you here. Welcome back to the pod. We had you on last year because, you know, we were going down, uh, was it, you covered the Atlanta Hawks, the 76ers. So we had to get you on here because I forget which matchup it was. It was either one of those two matchups uh, for the Knicks. Was, I think it was the 76ers. Yeah, it was about I 76ers. believe it was for the 76ers. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That made that. That makes sense. Thank God we didn't have you on for the Hawks because we all know how that ended last. So, but we're here. happy to have you back. You're now covering the Knicks for Hoops Habit too. We're gonna get into that article that you dropped uh, uh, yesterday. All right, but let's uh, let's get into the news first and then get into this game, guys. We didn't do a rapid reaction like everyone else yesterday. We had to let this settle in. We had to think logically of the move that Tom Thibodeau made. And for those of you who are still unaware for what Tom Thibodeau did, you guys got to be living in a cave, but this man pulled Kemba Walker from the rotation entirely. And our starting point guard from here on out for the foreseeable future is Alec Burks guys. I'm going to start off with Larry, our guest. When you heard this news break, what were your thoughts, man? It's about damn time. <laughs> that was my initial reaction. My initial reaction was get this bum out of here. I'll pack his bags myself. I've never been a fan of Kemba Walker. We both come from the Bronx. I watched him drop 50 on a close friend of mine from when I was a kid. We were no longer friends, but we were cool back in the days. He got Kemba cooked him in high school. Maybe that's a part of why I don't like him, but <laughs> I just always, I just always felt like Kemba was a personal vendetta against Kemba Walker right now. <laughs> nah, it's mostly like I felt like Kemba was always overrated after that March Madness run. He had a phenomenal run at UConn his final year, led them to a national title. But for some reason, everyone thought he was like people treated him like he's a superstar his entire career until he got to Boston. Even when he first got to Boston, everybody said, oh, he's a much better fit than Kyrie in X, Y and Z, a playmaker, unselfish. How many assists has what's his career high, like seven assists in a season? He's not that good of a playmaker. The man, the man has literally a handful of moves. There's a handful of moves. He's been relying on that crossover to the left step back pump fake jump shot since college. He tried that shit against Alex Caruso the first time we played the Bulls and that shit got shut down. One of my boys was like, oh, Caruso had him in jail. I said, man, he's been doing the same shit for 15 years. I could stop him from doing that shit. <laughs> and my, I got a bad... I got a bad back and I could guard Kemba Walker. Well, that's, a, that's a lot of disrespect. Kemba had like 21 and a quarter in the first quarter a couple yeah, games and ago. And what did he do after that? Look, James Harden had 28 in the first half tonight and finished with 34. means nothing. I mean... But that Hart's 21 in the first... That, look, he, <laughs> he, he had, what, 21 in the first quarter and then finished with less than 30 and he went like 2 for 10 for the rest of the game. And then in the fourth quarter, he was ass. All season ass in the fourth quarter. He hasn't been clutch in years. Everybody was talked about how he knocks down clutch shots. He hasn't done shit. He's been so bad that before he was taken out of the rotation, he wasn't even closing out games. Only time you were seeing Kemba playing in the fourth quarter in the close game anymore. We, we had the lead. The bench yeah. was holding shit down. He had, up until the day before he got pulled from the rotation, he had the second worst plus minus in the entire NBA. The only person that had a worse plus minus than him was Terrence Ross. 
Another Terrence one. Ross. Shout out to Terrence <laughs> Ross. He got he got all that plus from the Knicks game too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, man. I think you're being a little bit, a little harsh on Kemba, especially because what, what, what we asked of him, you know, as a Knicks team, we just wanted him to be Alfred Payton. Like we just needed him to take those minutes. The Knicks never needed Kemba to close games from the very beginning. Nobody needed Kemba to close games. But the problem is, like you said, his plus minus was egregious and he just couldn't start games and I, I don't know if it was really the offense. I mean, the offense was clearly stagnant with him, but very clearly the team defense was lacking. Alex, what, 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 what do you think, man? What, 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 what do you think was like the, 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 the main crux? Like, what, what, what was the, what was the main issue that took down Kemba? And I mean, I know Larry is, is is hyped about it, but I'm kind of shocked that it went from starter to nothing. Like he he can't even he can't even get some minutes on the on the end here. Uh, is that like an ego thing, or is that like maintaining trade value? What's going on? I think uh, you know I wrote about this for Knicks Fan TV yesterday um, when the news broke, but I think Tibbs said it, and he we saw in tonight's game against the Brooklyn Nets, and we can get into that. Is that Tibbs wanted defense, man? He likes height, and that was the thing about Elver Payton last season. Alfred Payne's a 6'6 guard, has some wingspan. That's why I left him in there. He wants to make sure that the guard, whoever on def- whoever our point guard on defense is guarding, he wants to make sure that in ice situations, they can't pass it over guys to the corner for the three-point shot, right? That's the whole point of ice is to, for- is to try to force like the most difficult pass. But with Kemba, because of his height disadvantage and his inability to play defense, guys were able just to drive in on him kick the ball out to the three, get easy open looks, and then that's it, man. Then we start letting threes rain down on top of us, and we saw that. Teams were able to hit threes. We saw Ricky Rubio go off for career-high three-pointers against us and everybody else. So I think Kemba's – I think mostly the issue was Kemba on defense. And I think if we're going to get on to offense, you know, it just didn't look like he was comfortable playing off ball. He's not an off-ball player. I mean, his time in Charlotte was always being on-ball, being the guy to do something. In Boston, he still wanted to do that, even though with him and Gordon Hayward, they're trying to share roles. And then with the New York Knicks, you have Julius Randle, who likes to have the ball in his hand. And I think Thibodeau still wants to run the ball through the offense through him, as we saw tonight. And that kind, him and Kemba just don't jive with that because Kemba needs to have the ball in his hand the majority of the time and – play make for other guys. Right. But I, I think it just came down to mostly defense. That's why Thibodeau in his pressers like reiterated defense twice and then said size. He wanted size. That's my thing. Okay. Now here's, he, I agree. It's mostly defense, right? Uh, when Kemba's on the court, opposing teams have an offensive rating of 118.7. When he's off the court, it drops to 101. That's that's outrageous behavior. He's horrible. But we all knew, everybody known, he's always been a turnstile on defense. Always. But he was able to make up for it on offense. You talk about him not being comfortable playing off the ball. I can't fully agree with that because he played off the ball most of the time when he was in Boston, and he was still able to average 19 points a game. He averaged 20 his first year in Boston. He averaged 19 his second year in Boston. He's a really good catch and shoot 
shooter. He's shooting 40, what? He was shooting 41% from three before Thibodeau took him out the rotation. He, he can play off the ball if he wants to. But he just wasn't comfortable in his offense. The The entire starting line of offense was horrible. Like, I don't think Kemba is the only problem or was the main problem. I just think he was a big problem. I would have probably pulled Evan Fournier from the starting lineup before I pulled Kemba from the rotation. Move Fournier to the bench, let Alec Burks play with Kemba in the backcourt and see how things mm. go. But... I'm okay with it. Like, it, it shocked me that he just went straight, like Malika said, he went straight from being a starter to completely out of the rotation. It shocked me. But it also makes sense because when you look at his health the last three years and then you look at his production, right, with the Knicks, Kemba is in the Derrick Rose stage of his career where if you play him in doses, you have him come off the bench, he can be that spark plug. He can be highly effective and impactful. The problem is this Knicks roster is not built for him to come off the bench. Mm-hmm. You can't have him and Derrick Rose on the court at the same time. Teams are going to torch us. Yeah, but why couldn't you switch up Kemba for D. Rose? You know, I, I'm okay well, with how Rose, I'm just again, curious. Like, D. Yeah. Rose is not a starter anymore. You put D. Rose in that starting lineup, give it a week before he's on the, before he's on the trainer's table for good. Yeah. Okay. Like that's what I'm saying. Like that's why I said the Derrick Rose stage of his career because it's like when he you can put him in situations where he can be highly effective. Like Derrick Rose, he has the potential to win six man of the year. But you put him in that starting lineup, while you won't lose anything on offense, you're gonna lose a little on defense, right? But you're also risking him getting hurt. Remember when he was in Detroit. He was effective when he was playing 20, 25 minutes a game. As soon as they upped it to 30 minutes a game, he got hurt. You got to manage his workload because he's old and broken. Kemba Walker's knees are not going to allow him to play 30 minutes a game anymore. Not. But the Knicks roster is not built for him to come off the bench. It was built for him to replace Alfred Payton, like you said. IQ can't run the offense. He's shown that already. And he works well with Derrick Rose. They they feed off of each other. They allow each other to take turns playing on and off the ball. Derrick Rose needs somebody to play to force him to play off the ball. Like, you have to have another point guard with Derrick Rose because he plays with tunnel vision. Kemba Walker's too small. He's shown that he can't guard a fly. <laughs> Get him out of here. I will pack his bags today. <laughs> It's already packed, bro. It's already packed. Kimber Walker's bag's already packed. There's no need for all that. Now that that's the only thing. Like now, you you talking about preserving trade value? Do you think that they look to trade him? Do you think that they try to work with him in the background, try to boost his confidence, get him in better shape, or just buy his ass out and say fuck it? He's not making that much money. No, was- I don't think he's a buyout situation. He already got his buyout. He's and there's really nothing to learn. I don't think he's he's looking to become a coach. I think he still wants to play basketball. So I think it's advantageous for him to get traded. Like it was nice he came home, but it didn't it didn't work with you know this current coaching staff. I think he still wants to play basketball. He's still getting a ton of money, and I think the Knicks are going to be able to work his contract into a trade. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a it's a nice contract for someone like you said that's looking for a D Rose type off the bench. Not everyone has. That you just called D Rose six man of the year. 
So if, if Kemba can do that on another team where he's finally not going to start, right? He, he, he tried the starting thing with Boston, like you said. Obviously, it didn't work out in New York, like 20 games in. So maybe now he's going to go into another team and take that mellow role right away. You know, who could you know not trying to fight, not trying to fight to be the starter. What did you say? It's funny you, you mentioned Melo because I think the Lakers would be the perfect fit for him. I think the Lakers. God, the Lakers also, don't need another guy that doesn't play defense, bro. No, no, but they need they need scoring and they need perimeter threats. And they need someone who can like Kemba Walker's not a great playmaker, but he can he can run an offense. They don't have no like Russell Westbrook can't run an offense. He's he's there's not that much up there. But he's a <laughs> Where is his player. bag today? <laughs> Where is his bag today? Coming off a after a loss, yo, he's ready to go off. Oh, I mean, nah, nah. I've always felt like Russell Westbrook is top five worst decision makers I've ever seen on the basketball court. But Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker. Oh, and by the way, I didn't say Derrick Rose six man of the year. I said potential to be six man of the year. I'm just saying, like that's yeah. that's not that's yeah. a nice piece. For and, and, and Kemba yeah. Walker, Kemba Walker can do the same thing. He just needs yeah. to be in the right situation. Yeah. New York is not that situation. I think the Lakers, maybe the Clippers uh, could be a good situation. Even Philly, if you want him off the bench in Philly, too, as another guard. That would be another good situation for him. Uh, Chicago could use him. Chicago could use him, too. Um, Yeah, Kobe White is ass. (laughs) (laughs) Kobe White is just a microwave scorer, man. He honestly, uh, he's not exactly like... Uh, um, IQ, but that's the role he needs to play is just be off off the ball most of the part and do a little bit of facilitating if he can. Um, but yeah, I think overall Kemba's move like it was needed, like it, it was the extent to like to have good defense because it's Nick this Knicks team plays off a of good defense. That was the identity they had last season. They didn't have it through the first twenty games. And let's get into it right now. Let's talk about this Brooklyn Nets game because. Boy, this New York Knicks team, That if this is the team that we get, you know, we had a good game against the Atlanta Hawks on Saturday. But this performance, as John st- uh, said, I don't know if it was on air or off air, but you said that this is up there for game of the year, even though it's a loss for the Knicks because of how they competed, how they stayed in this game with the Brooklyn Nets, who have James Harden and Kevin Durant. And guy, like the fact that you saw Julius Randle finally – going downhill, attacking the paint. Like, the Knicks dominated the paint. They had over 50 points in the paint today. And when the Knicks scored 50 points, over 50 points in the paint, that's how you know things are are getting back to normal around here. So, and then they were being opportunistic with their defense, you know, forcing turnovers, scoring in transition, especially when you have Derrick Rose out there who's really good in transition. And this is the type of brand of basketball we were used to seeing last season. So, I'm going to switch it up and go to you, John. Um talking about this. What did you see from this today's game? Let's start off with this. What did you think about having Burks in the starting rotation? Did you, did you like what you see? Man, you know how I feel about Alec Burks, especially after last year, we live and we die by Burks when we ask for him to take over this team. Remember that crazy win streak last year? That was all Alec Burks in the starting lineup. Whenever we needed him, he came through for us last year and sometimes the bench. And then there was like three, four games where he was like a coach's decision, you know, doesn't play at all. Right. And we were just like, what's going on with this guy? And then maybe one or two games he'd play like trash. 
But like today, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I think I'm in one of the only group chats in America with actual Nets fans, right? And uh, like, and then like, I honestly outnumbered in this group chat by more like diehard Nets fans. But anyway, like, they're like, who is this guy, Alec Burks? Like, he's he's coming in and he's he's killing it. Like, it, it feels lucky. That's the same exact thing people were saying about Alec Burks last year when he had like three or four games where he was looking like absolute star at point guard. Yes, he can't sustain it the whole year, but none, none of this is shocking to me. Those flopping offensive uh, foul calls, like that's Alec Burks to the max. Like him getting those three pointers, that's Alec Burks, and he, he really just he just like shuts his mouth and like facilitates. He doesn't really do much. You know what I mean? He gets the ball on a rotating three. He he banks it in. He just does a little bit of the dirty work. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if he can be our starting point guard for the rest of the season because he's going to yeah. have really bad games, right? So I don't know where this is going, really. But <laughs> on a day-to-day basis, like today was great. Today, I'm happy with it. Versus the Bulls, it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. But if their Bulls are like game are outpacing us and it's just not working for Alec Burks and they're just like completely running him out of the gym, like what are we going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's going to start getting dicey. But for now, I'm okay with it. And I was really happy with today's game, man. It really gave me some confidence. And I'm sure it gave the team some confidence too. Like when the, when the coach makes a crazy decision, especially like everybody loves Kemba. Everybody has – nobody has anything bad to say about him. And he's in the locker room. If they came out and they stunk today, they could be like, oh, look, of course, like coach made some dumb decision, put me on the bench, look what happened. So I'm um, I'm glad the way it turned out today, even though yeah. it was an L. Uh, I think most of everyone who's a Knicks fan was happy the way that it turned out today because uh, if you read Berman's article today uh, talking to AAU coaches, you'd think that uh, the world was on fire because apparently Thibodeau may be afraid of losing his job, which I think was – the best statement of today. <laughs> Can't believe that. But Larry, what did you think I, of this I, game, I, man? I, I, I wish I could see the post game. We're, we're recording during the post game, but I'm hoping to see uh, what Berman asked uh, Tibbs <laughs> today oh, after man. this one. Oh, that'd be great, <laughs> Larry. What, what about you, man? What do you think about today's game? What do you think about Burks in the in the starting lineup? This is amazing. I love Burks. I've always liked Burks since he was in Utah. His only problem was the injuries. His whole career, it's always been injuries. The only thing that's ever held him back. He's always been a really solid player. He's an efficient scorer from the perimeter. He can create his own shot. He can create for others. He makes really good decisions. Sometimes his shot doesn't fall. You just have to live with that. He played great. The Knicks offense looked a lot more energized and cohesive than in the past. Uh, I feel like a big issue with the starting lineup's offense was Julius Randle trying too hard to make Evan Fournier feel welcome and just kept feeding him and feeding him. Like, Mm. you saw the bonehead play. I think it was in the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter. Um, The Knicks were on a run. Julius Randle comes up the court. He went to the left elbow. And once he saw Fournier trailing, he he bounces the ball between his legs, goes to give it to Fournier, and has an offensive foul with the moving screen. He's always looking to feed Fournier and forgets about the, everybody else. It's like he really wants this guy to feel welcome. And I get that to an extent. But play within yourself, play within the system, and everything will work itself out. We saw that today. This is probably 
the most patient we saw Julius Randle oh, all season. Fact. Like, he, he still forced up a couple tough shots, but that's a part of his game. He has the confidence to do it, and we saw last year he can knock him down when he's in the zone. But he wasn't rushing constantly. Like, it didn't look like he was frantic when he had the ball in his hands like we've been seeing for most of the season. So that was also a plus. Um, horrible, horrible, horrible officiating. Um, Derek Rose is an asshole for having them challenge that play, knowing that he smacked Kevin Durant on the arm. And we could have used that challenge because um, that was a clean block by Julius Randle on Kevin Durant. Your Listen, hand is a your hand is a part of the ball. If they didn't waste it. the challenge it's on the Kevin rose, Durant. Play, it's Kevin I feel Durant. you. No, I understand what you're saying. But if they didn't waste the challenge on the rose play, they could have challenged that play, and we, that we would have lost that one too. I will, the only thing we the only thing I'll, I'll give to you on of course hindsight 2020 is we if we obviously have our timeout, save the challenge and use it on the Mitch play because that was ridiculous. I can't believe they gave that to like you're talking about the refs. It was fine all game. I mean, they gave us a couple calls too. Like, go ask Millsap how the refs were. <laughs> like, we, we got we got some. Yo, calls but I'm gonna okay. So the one where they they actually uh, called the what was it the where he tried to take a charge and he moved. I was like, eh, I don't know if you want to. Okay, I, I'll take. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll take that one. I don't know if the that one was tough, bro. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is, eh, but for the most one, part, I honestly, I thought he was in the restricted zone, but he was not. That, that was like one of those offensive fouls. Well, that's so, the one. Though. I mean, but that's, it, that 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 one they said. The second one, the second one, they're saying that because he, if you're going to take the charge, you got to stand still. Apparently, what he did, he was, he shifted the shoulder a little bit, and that's why. I, but when you watch it, like he didn't look like he did it. And I was like. Yeah, that was tough. It's weird that the ref caught that. It's weird that the ref caught that on such a bang-bang play. But at the end of the day, if the player tries to avoid the charge and you move to the side, it's a blocking foul. Um, I, those, those. I mean, I always split those with Millsap. Millsap deserves some respect. <laughs> I just put some does. respect on Millsap's name. He's washed. <laughs> He's washed. He's been washed. That. Listen. Listen, when yeah, you when old. you when like, you lose your when you lose your spot in the rotation to Jamichael Green, it's time to retire. No, oh, well now he's taking the spot for Blake Griffin, who was who was killing it. <laughs> Which says a lot about Blake Griffin. <laughs> yes, like Blake Griffin is playing worse than he did in Detroit. Yeah, well, they got Aldridge been killing it. He is. He's I love been doing Aldridge. Good. I've always loved Aldridge. Glad, he, he, he's always been a solid guy. I'm glad that he's back and he's healthy to play basketball, man. Uh, I'm happy that yeah. LA is back. But good old pick and pop. I can watch that till the day I die. Yo, he's so good at that, man. I wish he stayed in Portland, man. He should have stayed in Portland. I know. Dude, don't the- say that out loud. I think I think I think that's like one of his biggest regrets of his life. Oh hey, well, he I, needs to hear. I was rooting for Portland back then. I I I really I was probably Aldridge's biggest fan outside of Portland yeah. and Texas. I was a big Lamarcus A guy too, man. Yeah, um, he kind of exposed Mitch in the low block. Like Mitch is starting to worry me about his post defense after watching him play against the old Lamarcus Aldridge. To be honest, he did pop out on one like once Aldridge was starting to establish the pick and pop. Mitch did start to hop out. And I don't know if he really did contest it, but Aldridge started missing. 
So I don't know, you know, you know, correlation causation there. If he's just going to, you know, eventually start missing. Because on the other hand, you know, since we're on this game, like Kevin Durant starting two for nine, like that, the Knicks, even if they had the best defense on planet Earth, they didn't make Kevin Durant go two for nine. Like that was eventually going to change. It's always going to even itself out there. So uh, that, that's why like, I'm, I'm proud of the way they played and especially because he, I mean, I'm glad that they were able to defend him at first, again, making a defensive sub coming into the game and they started off well on defense. So I'm hyped about next game. The, the, the problem is the Bulls play such a different, different yet similar basketball, uh, especially on offense. Like they, they do have DeRozan who plays like Kevin Durant. But Lonzo Ball does not play like Harden. Lonzo Ball gets the ball fast down the court. And then Zach Levine has been pretty good. So I'm very curious as to how uh, we're going to match up against the Bulls team. But, yo, they kept Obi and Randall in there for, for, for as much as he possibly could. I was really hyped about it. That's why I put this shirt on. I was really, I, I'm really proud of Tibbs, man. Tibbs made a crazy decision where he knew he was going to get heat for it. Mark Berman, like, doing these crazy things, as you said, Alex. Um, and on, on, on the other hand, he's playing OB and Randall. Uh, you know, uh, shout out to Tibbs. That's shout out to Tibbs. Even in a loss. Shout that's out to him. something I've been advocating for since the preseason because he did that a lot in the preseason. He experimented with the small ball lineup with Randall at the five, OB at the four, and they look great. Obi changes the whole dynamic of the game and he don't even have to touch the basketball. Just oh, the fact that he's so athletic and always running the court and not allowing the defense to get into position right away makes a big difference. And I've been an advocate, like, we got to get him on the court more. I know he still has his lapses on defense. He still doesn't have any moves to create for himself, really. But... His athleticism, his energy, and the way he plays. He's not a great defender, but you wouldn't know that with the amount of effort he gives on defense. He gives a a lot of effort. And the thing about, like, you you nailed it right on the head, uh, Larry. Like, Obi definitely changes the dynamic of this team and is just from an an energy standpoint alone. And same with IQ, man. Once you bring those two guys in, you're like, you just feel the energy just come. The wife comes on the, uh, comes, the the wife is just on the court because those two guys are ready to to run and get out in space and make something happen in transition. And that's why, like, with Derek Rose, too, you have him who also wants to push out in transition. Actually, we're going to talk about lineups today. Let's talk about how we we ended this game because it was a very interesting lineup. It was Derrick Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Alec Burks, Julius Randle, and Obi Toppin. It was a blend of it was a blend of like the starters and the bench, like the old, it, it, mostly the old school bench because Burks was part of it. But that was just I was shocked that that was like what Tibbs wanted to close with because for for the most part, obviously Mitch came back in the game for Obi, but. For for part of, for most of that fourth quarter, it felt like we had that lineup, and it was working really well. And once again, going back to what you said, Larry, Obi, just because he doesn't allow the defense to get set, you have to like look for him because he's or he's leaking out all the time. He's ready to get those easy dunks, and we see that like Derrick Rose finding a man transition for an easy dunk, and it's like easy two points. That's the stuff that we this, this team needs. And is always, especially was missing with Derrick Rose because that's how it just makes the game that much easier. And then you put the pressure back on the opposing team to be like, 
We just gave up another easy points. Now we got to come back and work to do this again. And then we got to watch out for this guy again, who's just ready to leak out and, and something to happen. I like it, but to, and, and I like it. And Tibbs is just, he's adapting, man. He said he learned something. He's learning something. He's using the guys uh, that, you know, he's, he's using the depth on this team. I think the one thing that really not puzzling, but more, I guess I was a little shocked that Grimes didn't get as much playing time. You know, you, you think that Quentin Grimes was going to get more playing time because uh, Kemba is now out of the rotation and you would think that he wanted a three and D player, a guy who's aggressive. I saw like we saw him come in today. He had that, uh, I think, what was it? He had a foul turnover, something along those lines. Um, just a miscue on defense. And I think Tibbs pulled him out. I was like, all right, you're too young for this. I need, I need to stay in this game uh, as Thibodeau normally does. But I think that's the, that's the only thing that I would say I want to see more is just seeing Quentin Grimes get, get more run with Kemba out of the rotation. But problem with we, Grimes. Oh, sorry. The problem with Grimes is that the Nets run a lot of pick and roll and Grimes can't fight over screens. He's always like, I did a lot of watching film watching on him after the, the Knicks drafted him. He's a really good defender, especially in ISO situations, but he can't fight over screens. He can't fight through screens, even off the ball, chasing, chasing around someone like Patty Mills. He's going to get caught on the screen or two and be left in the dust. And it's going to affect our rotations. So it's kind of understandable why Grimes isn't getting more playing time right away. I think as the season progresses, we'll see him more, but it's just going to take a lot of work at practice and him being able to learn those angles, attacking those screens, dropping his shoulder so he can really like get around the screener. And then we'll start to see him a little more. What shocked me the most so far is Jericho Sims is not getting enough minutes for me. That boy is a stud. Trade Mitchell today and insert Sims Woo. into the rotation. Harry mm-hmm. is seriously coming in hot. He said, get packing Kemba's bags. He was ready to move Evan Fournier to the bench. Dude. Uh, I mean, Fournier is Look, Fournier is the definition of an inconsistent microwave scorer. He's perfect to come off the bench, and he can still play 30 minutes a game coming off the bench. He could be a taller French version of Lou Williams. And then you got Mitchell Robinson. I love Mitchell Robinson. I think he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. But I'm not paying a player that can't stay healthy. No, I mean, that's a fair point when it comes to health, but we don't even know what the contract is yet. What if you, what if you had something that was like the what the contract is? (laughs) Wow. You think think he's the most I'd give him is probably the MLE, which is about nine, 10 million. Bro, all jokes aside, how high would you be willing to go? How high would you be willing to go? For annual salary, like just on a yearly basis, what's the most you'd be willing to pay an oft injured center who provides very little offense? Uh, 10 million, 10 million annually. That's about the MLE. Okay. Oh, I thought you were talking about like in total. I was like 10 million total. That's why. Oh, no, no, no. That, that's, that's outrageous. <laughs> I was about to say. Well, he's yeah, got no, to make more than Noel. 
He's got to make more than Noel, but that's neither here nor there. Well, you give him the extra year. I'm like Noel, and you fully guarantee that damn thing. If you want to do that, yeah. But but honestly, I, I'm not I'm not gonna let you guys get away with not talking about R.J. Barrett. Where was R.J. Barrett today? Is there, is there a, do we have a missing person? No, he's sick. Request for him today. He was questionable for the last couple of days because of non-COVID related illness. And he played early he's in the game. He's got the Lamar Jackson? No, he's got the Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not going to stand for slander of Maple Mamba or Anthony Davis. <laughs> not why I keep on here today. But nah, no, but he, he's sick. Yeah. All right. He's sick. All right. That's fine. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see how, how long we can, uh, how, how long this leash is going to be for RJ Barrett. It's getting real long. It's getting real long for him, but we're going to need to step up the, uh, at some point, at some point before the all-star break, hopefully. Yeah. I'm no, I agree, with, I agree with you, John. Like I think for today, like legitimate, like illness, like he was questionable for today's game with illness, but I hear what you're saying. He had a decent game against Atlanta. He had the 15 points. Um, Everybody make did. A, Honestly, the entire team played well against Atlanta. We're not. We 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 didn't even mention them because we're coming off hot off this Nets Knicks game. We had a full on team win in Atlanta. Yeah, it was. It was a full on team win. Uh, it wasn't the prettiest, but it was a good statement win, saying that they can grind it out once again come together like you didn't have a man who quickly shoot well and but you saw the facilitating Atlanta, which feels good yeah you saw you saw the facilitate facilitating you saw the young guys get in there with, with uh jericho sims right um you saw the mm. young guys just playing together with iq uh grimes sims Toppin. uh i think rj was in that lineup for for parts of that minute too and you're like wow look at this line this is what i like to see and randall yeah. was just bullying and doing the best that he could didn't have the greatest game, but it was a good game enough that you want out of your starter, and he was doing some facilitating as well. And then you had Burks in the starting rotation, and that's what led to getting Burks to start. But the Knicks have been playing good so far. I know we didn't get the win today, but it was a good game against uh, – we had a good game against the Lakers. Rough game against the Suns, but weren't expected to beat the Suns. That, that team is just on another level. Uh, good game against the Hawks. And a bad and a and not a bad loss in in a heartbreaking loss to the Nets. It was another good game, but John, we're, we we've been talking about this game. We've been talking about this, but we gotta get into Larry's article because hey, hey, before we get in there, can I defend RJ Barrett? Because I don't appreciate the way you're talking about. What do we, we do? What's do it? Yeah. What, what's okay? Yeah, let's go what's, ahead. What don't you what like? Go ahead. What don't you like about what we said about RJ Barrett? I don't like that y'all saying that he that he needs to step it up and all this extra stuff. I mean, you, li- you like what you see about you like what you see from RJ Barrett this season. Tell I me what you like that, about his game this season. I think that he doesn't have a defined role on this team anymore. With all the changes that came, he doesn't have a defined role. He has he plays forty minutes a game. Yes, <laughs> what do you okay, want him to do? Yeah. And he's taken less than 10 shots in, like, six games. He's no longer looked at, like, who, honestly speaking, who's the second option on offense? It's uh, obviously Julius is number one. Who is the defensive? It's supposed to be R.J. Barrett. It's supposed to be. But but he goes two for 14 sometimes, man. 
Bro, he started the season six for 11, three for eight, five for 17. Oh my God. That, that's horrible, right? <laughs> yeah. That's horrible. And then he goes, and he goes eight for 15, 12 for 18, nine for 13. Then he gets 20 shots, 21, 13, 20, then back down to eight shots a game, nine shots in the game, 13 shots in the game. I think the other I've, I've been like, impressed like, with possessions no. from RJ Barrett, but not even no, close no. to full. No, I'm not saying he's playing great. I'm not saying he's playing great. I'm saying he doesn't have a defined role. And they need to allow him to be himself and stop trying to force him into being a spot up shooter. I watch the first five to seven games of the season. 90% of his court time, he was hanging out in the corner. That's not RJ's game. He needs to be able to put the ball on the floor. You have to be able to run plays for him and run plays through him. That's one. Two, he's improved as a facilitator in the decision-making. Can I just rebut the first very point? Important. Can huh? I rebut the first point? Can I Which rebut what, the first point? I think the only just... reason he's in... So... I just want to say, I think the only reason that he's in the corner waiting for the three-pointer is because he can't make a shot. And statistically, he was the best corner three-point shooter in the NBA. So they said, hey, you can't make a shot right now, or you want to go with your theory that you don't have a defined role, which I don't understand. He's been, been playing like that 40 minutes. Season, but that's that, that that's that's what he that's what he's good at. So they're trying to they're trying to put him in a position to do what he's good at doing. I, I, I don't. I don't think this is a Knicks' fault at all. I I think that's. I think maybe okay if you want to blame the fact that Fournier came in there and he's kind of not meshing with RJ. Fine, I'll give you that. I, I was thinking that from the beginning, like maybe Evan Fournier is getting the ball where RJ would. You would rather RJ get it. Uh, I'm with you yes. there. That that goes back to what I was saying about Julius constantly looking for Evan Fournier. But it's deeper than that. And then you take into consideration that he has a, he has more responsibility on defense with Reggie Bullock gone. Now he's the guy that's trying to guard the best guy, um, perimeter player on the other team. That takes a toll on your body. That takes away from most players' offense. So I, I think that it's a number of contributing factors to why he's had inconsistent play, especially on the offensive end. But... He, what, one, two, three, four, five, five games with 20-plus points already? Those percentages are bad in those games. Alex, what do you he think, said man? In, in those games, he shot 53%, scored 20 points, shot 66%, scored 35, 69%, scored 27, 40%, and 38%. Yeah, so two, two out of those five games, he shot poorly. I think the thing with RJ, I think there's a lot. His responsibility is that he's now the top, the top defender. And I think you added it right there, Larry. I don't think his role, I don't think he doesn't have a defined role. I think his defined role is that he's now the top defender on this team. And I think you pointed it out is that now that he's charged with in charge of guarding the other team's best defender, his offense is going to take a toll because being a two-way defender is not something that can happen overnight. It takes time. This is good. This is the progression of RJ now. He wants to be a two-way defender. Okay, that that's great. Uh, we saw that with Kawhi when he to become like a two-way player, right? You saw his defense come first, then the offense came. RJ 
We saw the offense first. Now it's taking a dip because he has to go work harder to guard guys like Jason Tatum, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, all these other guys who are who, who are at that position. The wing position is the most difficult position. And so that's where he's that's where he's slotted at. It's a t- it's a grueling task night in and night out. That's his defined role. He is still 21. I get that. His numbers aren't there. But at the same time, when you watch him play, he also just fades. Like he also like legit just like fades and takes himself out of the game. And it's it's yo, call for the ball. Go do something. Be that ask for like go ask for it go demand it you are rj barrett you are part of this team you have to go do that as well and julius is not gonna julius is gonna do what julius does he's gonna facilitate look for the guy they talked about at the beginning of the season you could read that stefan bondi article fournier and randall they want that to be a thing because they want the shooting guard and they want randall to have that pairing so we know that's just this this uh this 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 pairing that has to work for RJ to get back in there, he has to know that he has to do what, what that he has to just play his game. If you want to add that Fournier changes the entire like dynamic from like last season, it does because Bullock isn't a guy that can put the ball on the floor. Bullock is strictly a catch and shoot three and D type of player. Fournier does a little bit, does a little bit more than that. He can attack from all three levels, not, not efficiently, but he can do all three levels. He can play, make plays good team defense, not great isolation defense. So overall it's a different player that he has to learn how to, to live next to. But I think it's more than, I think it's all these things, but at the same time, RJ has got to demand the ball. RJ has got to say, I'm here too. give me my touches and then go back to doing that snake dribble that worked for him. Go get out and transition. That's, that's the type of stuff that he, that he needs to do. So I think it's a lot of factors. But I think I think for RJ, he just has to be a little more aggressive. And speaking I, of aggressive, I like to see him be more aggressive. And, and speaking of being aggressive, Larry, we got to talk about this uh, this this article of yours because you decided to grade uh, the New York Knicks offseason move so far. And you know, you go start off with giving Nerlens Noel based on his play and contract to be minus. You give Taj Gibson a B. Uh, you get you come in here and give Evan Fournier a C minus. So I want to start with this one. The first two I'm okay with. I I'm okay with. John, are you okay with the first two? B minus for Noel, B for Taj Gibson as signings and how they played so far. Yeah, I mean, you want to give Taj, I love Taj Gibson with all my heart, but giving him a B, I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay, think so. Good. Okay, so we're the only on the same reason page. why Nerns Noel and Taj Gibson that didn't get an A is because of how much time they've missed. I just, I, I just, I'm ready, I'm ready to trade Noel, but that's that's that that, that that's on me. Like I'm, I'm, uh, he has done. We paid he 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 gave us his all last year. We paid him for his troubles. I'm okay with moving on from Noel. Like there's we hit, I think we hit the ceiling with him last this man year. is playing through a knee injury with he, a he, with the Steve Austin brace on and you saying I'm ready to trade him. The Yeah, wow. you know why? You know why, Larry? Because he's had that for now one entire year. Every single game I went to last year, he looks like the Michelin man after every single timeout <laughs> with the ice on every single joint on his body. He's got a medicine ball. He's doing all these things. I get it. He gave us his all last year. Now he paid him money and he's doing the same thing. 
Like, at what point are we going to be like, yo, maybe he's just injured or maybe he can't catch because his fingers are broken? Like, when are we going to, like, come to this realization? John is just- I love him. I love Noel. But you got to be a realist sometimes, man. John's just upset because he saw uh, Valanchunas go off the other night and we have two centers right now that just can't stay on the court and stay healthy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If we if we traded for Valanchunas, we would be the number one team in the East. But that's neither here nor there, man. Let's let's let's, let's, get, let's, let's get on to Larry slander. <laughs> Not slander. Right. So let's so let's get to, let's get to the C minus in uh, Evan Fournier. So why, you know, I read it. He didn't Evan say Almighty. It. Imagine Evan he hit Almighty. that shot today. Oh my God! If he hit that buzzer beater, this would have been the perfect day for Larry to come on. Oh, oh one man. one play changes everything. Oh my, that would have. Oh my, if that, he hit that buzzer beater, that would have changed everything. Yes. I was shocked. The shout out to Thibs for even taking the chance and putting him in for that play where he hit the other three pointer to tie the game. But we're talking about a guy who has been borderline unplayable for most of the for three quarters for most of the season. He was averaging career low 11.7 points a game before he went off against the Hawks. Like you take away that Hawks game and you look at his numbers, it's horrible. You look at him play, he's still not comfortable within that Knicks offense. Now, I'm going to keep monitoring everything, and I'm going to put out a couple more articles throughout the season updating these grades. But the man has been horrible. There's a reason why Thibs hasn't played him in the fourth quarter. And it, yeah. and it isn't solely because the bench has been playing great. Because the bench was great last year. He, he's not playing up to the standards that I had for him because I've always been an Evan Fournier fan. I know he's inconsistent. I know he's not a great defender, but everything that Alex was talking about with the way he's able to put that, put the ball on the floor, score at all three levels. He adds a three point shooting to the team. He, the signing was a good decision. The contract isn't bad, but he hasn't played up to that contract yet. He's getting paid almost 20 million a year. And he's averaging 13 points a game. The only time that's acceptable is if you're a lockdown defender, which he's not. His playmaking hasn't been that great. He hasn't been making many great decisions throughout the season so far. Now, I attribute some of that to him still learning his teammates and where they like to be, their spots that, you know, and he's not a point guard, so that's going to take a little more time than you would like anyway. But Evan Fournier hasn't been great, but he hasn't been unplayable like Kemba Walker. And the Knicks as a team play better offensively and defensively when he's not on the court. It's just a fact, and the numbers back it up. Yep, yep. And and that's the whole point of my grade. If if he we didn't have an opt-out on the final year of that contract, he probably would have got a D2. Yeah, fair. But... I would have downgraded him too. The contract really makes this everything okay here. And to be honest, it's, a, it's a still a tradable contract. It is. And and that that the contracts were also factored into my grades. Because like Kemba, we're gonna get to that. So I'll I'll wait, but <laughs> contracts, contracts played a part in the grades, which is why Noel 
gotta be and Taj gotta be because they're on team friendly contracts that you can trade at any at any time once they become eligible for a trade you can move them because they bring value to any time you put them on and they're on cheap contracts which is great but and they've been playing well when they're actually healthy but Fournier needs to step up his play and he was even talking about it in the press conference like I think it was last week he was talking about they asked him about um not playing in the fourth quarter he said that he wants to play in the fourth quarter but he and he started talking about his role and in other places he knew like he was going to play a certain amount of minutes and he was going to be in certain situations man Every professional athlete knows you need to stay ready. It don't matter if you ain't play all season. You need to prepare like you're a starter. Tonight, he was ready. He came off the bench after not playing like 10. He was on the bench for about 20 minutes in real time, not game time. Real time on the bench for minutes. Came in the game and knocked down a three to tie the game because he was ready. He hasn't stayed ready all season. He's not yet completely comfortable within his offense and in his new, with his new teammates. And that's okay. We're only, what, 21, 22 games into the season. That's fine. These grades will be updated. If he, <laughs> if he improves his production and his play, the C- minus will improve. If not, he might end up with an F. Who knows? <laughs> School's in session and Larry's going to keep upgrading his grades. <laughs> Exactly. Professor Hammonds is here. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next one. I we don't need to go on too much into this one because this guy's been playing great for his contract value and just for this team. Derek Rose got the A plus. Got number four back oh, there yeah. too, just because he's been phenomenal this season. Even tonight, just coming back off an ankle injury and still being phenomenal. Well, here's the last one. Last grade. Besides telling Man- the coach to challenge, right, Larry? Say that one more time. Besides telling the coach to challenge. Oh, he, he gets downgraded to an A for that coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're at the, the one that really is going to, man, Kemba's just getting the, the raw end of the deal of this podcast. Kemba Walker. Well, gets I mean, a, like it, it's because of Tibbs, man. T- T- Tibbs has enabled us. Yeah, he has. Uh, he certainly has, and but he, he didn't need Larry didn't need Tibbs's approval to to get into this. I know. So prior to this move, him. <laughs> yeah, no, it really does. It is emboldened Larry in his decisions. So, last one, Kemba Walker gets a D. My man, you said in this piece that he could have gotten an F, but the contract was friendly, and that was the only reason <laughs> that he got a D. <laughs> I meant it. Yo, like I'm savage, wrong. huh? <laughs> he's not wrong on the contract part. Like, he's not if this wrong. Was a real contract, we'd be having a different conversation today. Oh, we'd be <laughs> pissed. We'd be pissed right <laughs> now. Even even when he got signed, everybody was like, "Oh, and it's only for two years, seventeen mil. This is great." He was expected to have a reduced role. He wasn't going to be active as much as he was in Boston and in Charlotte. Everybody knew that. So. It's no surprise that like his shot attempts are down and his usage rate is down, but his efficiency is down as well. 
he what 42.9 percent which is right around his it's actually slightly above his career average which says a lot like everybody loves Kemba he's a career 41 percent shooter how is this man great he has a go-to move that he's been using for 15 years and it's really his only move when you sit there and think about it. crossover 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 step back crossover crossover behind the back step back Nine times out of ten, that step back is to the left. <laughs> what you saying? Championship. No playoff victories. <laughs> that's good, that's good. How many playoff series has he won? I, I'm not here. I'm not here for the Kemba I mean, Walker. He was with the Hornets, bro. All right, and he was also in Boston with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. No excuses. You played for some great coaches. You've had great teammates. Like, come on. We talk about when he was in Charlotte. Injuries were the only thing that held that Charlotte team back for a few years in a row. Come on, they had Nicholas Batum. They had Dwight Howard. Marvin Williams is better than he gets credit for. He didn't play for a great Hornets team, but the team wasn't as bad as it was before he got there when they were still the Bobcats and everything. Like, there was a point in time where they were legit a poverty franchise. Now, they didn't put the best pieces around him for most of the time he was there, but... They tried to build around him. The problem with that is, one, it's very difficult to build around a point guard that's not a generational talent. They they drafted Sean May. That's two. They what? (laughs) They drafted Sean May. Did they not draft Sean May before him, though? Was that that before him? Sean Sean May was out of the NBA before Kemba Walker graduated from Utah. I'm just saying the Hornets uh, have the Hornets ever made a good draft pick, but they they got Frank the Tank. They got the come. That, that was after Kemba. Cool, I'm talking. I'm talking with Kemba. With Kemba, Frank okay. the Tank, like that. That that's the guy that was gonna take him over the top. I mean, come they, on. They man. made some good. It's kind of tough. He was, he was an all star. You talk about no, all-star like I said. Right now. All right, now that's another thing. Kemba Walker, you move Charlotte to put Charlotte in in the Western Conference. Kemba Walker is a zero time all star. Zero time all star. He was he's a multi time all star because he's played in the East his entire career. And for his for majority of his career, the East didn't have that many elite guards. Look, in Kemba's Kemba's best statistical season, he shot 43% from the field and 35% from three. But he averaged 25 points, and everybody's like, oh, he's a midget averaging 25. He has to be elite. No, he's an overrated, undersized NBA player. Like, he's Yo, he's always been overrated. He's a good player, but he's overrated. Yo, he's only Alex, made four all-star t- games, and he's played in the East his entire career. This is wild. This is absolutely yo, wild. This is, yo, I just got to tell you something. You know that R.J. Barrett's also played in the Eastern Conference his whole career? now look at the wing players that are in the east for the last three years look at look at who his comp uh, first uh, also he's only in his third season he's only rj's only in his third season that's one two there's actually elite players at his position in the conference there are all NBA players at his position in the conference. I'm. Ha- I wish I would have known that we were going to have this debate beforehand. And Me I was too, because Kemba's three years versus RJ's up. three years aren't even close. But I don't even know why we're talking about this. But we're they're talking, not even close. Brought, right, first that off, same energy. you brought up RJ because yeah, you just you to keep get under my skin. Yeah, no, I just want you to get. I just want you to keep the same energy. You're talking Kemba Walker like he's <laughs> out here. About a third year player though. 
Look, RJ's second year is better than Kemba's second year. I gotta, I got, okay, hold on. Can we, can we put some respect on Kemba's name for, 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 yeah. for a minute? All right. Like, come on now. Like, the guy came in here. What's Well, used to be a good player. But look, RJ Barrett's second year in the NBA, he shot 44% from the field, 40% from three, 74.6% from free throw, averaged 17.6 points per game with 5.8 rebounds and three assists, and was a significant factor in his team making the playoffs. Kemba Walker averaged 17 points a game, three and a half rebounds, 5.7 assists, shot 32% from three, 79% from free throw, 42% from the field. I'm taking RJ. And he actually can play defense. Hmm. Something Kemba doesn't know what that means. Like, defense is not in his vocabulary. It's not in his list of things to do for the day. RJ's is. I'll take second-year RJ over second-year Kemba. And I, I don't care what any Charlotte fan has to say about that. Mm. I just can't. Kemba Walker. I I, I can't, man. Because like, look, he's played with who? Miles Plumley. We're having. We're going to say that Kemba had all this up with Miles Plumley. Jeremy Lamb. Years wasn't he, bro? Like goodness. Oh, whoa! We shitting on Jeremy Lamb now too. Uh, (laughs) Well, you're acting like Jeremy. Well, hold on. What next would be have Jeremy Lamb right now coming off the bench? I'm happy with what we got on the bench. Well, now that Alec Burks is in the starting lineup, I don't know. I'd still take Grimes over uh, Jeremy Lamb. But that's another story. Look, we can't act like he had he had decent role players. Like we're not talking about like high level performing role players that we had or that Kemba had around him in Charlotte. All right. And for him to produce at the level that he did for the coaches that he had, I can't even tell you all the name of the coaches that he's had because most of them are just like meh. Don't even care. Just what has Charlotte done with him? Nicholas Batum, okay. Having a good revelation of a career with the Clippers. Aaron Harrison, Roy Hibbert. He had Roy Hibbert as a center on that team. Dwight he Howard. He had Dwight Howard on that team. Do yeah, I but Dwight Howard Dwight? at that point. But Dwight what? Howard at that point was coming from what? He came from Houston. Was he coming from Houston? Or was he coming from Washington at that point? Regardless. That was Dwight's lowest point of his career. This is not like oh, the revelation that he had coaches, with the Lakers. He had Paul Silas. He had Paul Silas and Steve Clifford as a, as a coach at one point in time. Oh and, wow! And Steven Silas. And Steven is Silas. that why he made? Is that why? Is that why he made the like the NBA? What, what did he make? Did he make a third team his last year in Charlotte? The, the, like, come the, on, man! Say thank you to Steve Clifford for that. Yeah, Steve Clifford. Thanks, bro. Thanks for uh, making Kemba Walker. <laughs> yeah, we saw what happened anyway. with the Magic. That's why he's still there, right? Um, a lot, 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 of, lot of Kemba slander. I, I, I get that he didn't Dwight work. How, all right. I just want to point out that I did say they didn't the best pieces around him, but they also like actually tried to build around him. But the problem is you can't build. You, it's hard to but build around fine. a point guard that's not a generational talent. That's, also, that's fine. White Howard. Mike Howard averaged 16 points, 16.6 points, 12.5 rebounds, and shot 55% from the field. And, and that's the only time. Wait, hold on. Even better. It's the only time in the past 11 years that Dwight Howard played 80 games in a season. 
By and the you know way, what? You know we watched, that, I watched, you know I watched Derek Rose average. Hold on. I watched Derek Rose on this team first in around average about 17, 18 points. And I could tell you that was the most empty points I've ever seen in my life. And that, and Dwight Howard, 16 points was probably the most emptiest points that he gave to the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> Once again, like Kemba Walker deserves his respect. You want to tell me that Kemba isn't playing good defense? That's fine. You want to tell me that Kemba like is because of his arthritis and his left knee and all the injuries that he's not playing that well? Fine. You can tell me that. But to come in here and say that Kemba Walker, you want to tell me that he has limited moves? That's also fine. Don't care. But to say that this man is like, like we're talking like he's trash. I would say he's overrated. Really I would say he's underrated. I think he's just Yeah, rated. we don't even know what he's rated as. You're telling us he's the worst player ever. Nah, I, I, I never say he was the worst player. <laughs> but yo, that's, that's the, the energy you're coming player. in here with. You're coming in with it. No, man, you're telling me he's never going to make an all-star game. The guy's making all NBA teams. The guy is pretty pretty high on the assists leader, leadership, pretty high on the steals. Wait, like, I don't, no, I, he's not. What do you Maybe for active players. He's never even averaged more than six assists in a season. The, the, okay, let, let's bring up assist stats. Just because I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you sit here. And even though, even though he's not known for assists, he is ranked. Let's he see. is. This twice in, 2018, in his entire 2019, career. The, the year that you're slandering him the most, right? His last year, he was 11th in the league, right? With all these elite point guards, all these elite. The, the, recently, the, most recent, the most recent year that Kemba Walker has had a starting lineup in the Hornets, 2018 to 2019, he was 11th in the league in assists. He averaged 4.8 assists per game and only played 50. Six games that means nothing to oh wait nope wrong sorry wrong year he averaged 5.9 assists per game he made the all nba team man well i mean he played every single game of the season i would hope so now RJ look he Bear plays every single minute okay wait, hold never on. mind i can't do you're saying he ranked 11th but he doesn't right, even technically qualify he didn't qualify for the league leaders that year here's the thing Kemba Walker has been in the NBA for 10 years and only twice in his entire career he ranked in the top 20 you know, for assist percentage. You, you know what the for good assist thing is? Now, there's two things to the assists, and I'll say this. One, you have to make the pass, which Kemba usually does. Two, you got to have a guy that actually completes it and hits, it, hits the bucket. For most of those years, for him to even Over average... 30 points that year. To even, average, that year, to even average that amount of assists with guys who came and consistently hit a bucket because they were consistent. They were consistently a losing team. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's impressive. Well, guys while are getting third in points that year. So I, I'm only talking about these. Look, he brought up the assist numbers and I just want to point out that Kemba is 16th active and no, he's 19th of act in for active players for 5.3 assists per game. 16. He's a hundredth in NBA history for assists per game since we want to talk about assists. That's fine. Same The same year that we're talking about, he was third in the league in points. Put some respect on Kemba Walker's name. Well, he, he was a good player. Like I said, he was a good player. Doesn't take away that he that he's overrated. All right. That's enough Kemba slander for today. That is enough. We're going to keep, <laughs> we're gonna keep this train moving and we're going to end this thing as we usually do going up with upcoming slate because Kemba Walker is still a good point guard. That's it. That's the, that's the last thing we're going to say. 
We know he's struggling this season. He can be a good six man, as we talked about. If he can still be a good six man, that means he has some productivity left in that tank. But let's talk about this upcoming slate of games that we got. When this pod drops, it will be Wednesday. And on for this until next Wednesday, here are the games that we got coming up. We got the Bulls coming to MSG, taking on the New York Knicks this Thursday. We got the Denver Nuggets coming to MSG take this Saturday. We got the Knicks then going on the road. Looks like for a short mini road trip, they're going to San Antonio next Tuesday. And then next Wednesday, once again, when we drop another Knicks episode, the Knicks will be playing the Pacers in Indiana. So, gentlemen, I'm going to start off with you, Larry. What do you think we got this record for? All right. We're, we're actually, we're going to just go down the, the games by game. Do you guys, where I'm going to start with you? Bulls at MSG. Who do you think is winning this one? Knicks or Bulls? I got the Knicks winning this one. All right. The Knicks All right. are rejuvenated. And they're... We've, played, we've played the Bulls tough twice already. One and one, if I'm not mistaken. It's only been two games, right? I didn't miss a Bulls game again. I believe it was just two games, one and one against them. They've mm-hmm. played them tough both times. And the energy, if they have the energy that they had tonight, I think we're going to win. Okay. John, what about you? What do you think for this one? What do you got? Yeah, I got a bounce back. I got a bounce back W against the Bulls at home. Yeah. We got to get this home record fixed. I I agree with you. I agree with both of you guys. Even when we had your G's on last week, we we discussed this Bulls game, and we still have the Knicks defeating the Bulls uh, from our last pod. I think, as Larry pointed out, if the Knicks can keep the same energy that they have going against Chicago, I think we can get that win at home and start really turning this thing around. The next game we got Denver Nuggets on Saturday. Denver is also struggling. They're out. They don't have Michael Porter Jr. He's getting back surgery. Uh, they don't have Jamal Murray, right? All we got mm-hmm. now, uh, I, I don't know if Jokic was playing. I know he was on the sideline this past weekend. But yeah, he's back. Okay. He came he's back, back yesterday. Okay. What do we got for this game? We haven't really we haven't beaten Denver in a in, in a while. Mm-hmm. But what do you get? What do you guys think? This time I'm going to start with you, John. What do you think? What do we got here? Because we're going against your boy. We're going against Jokic. Yeah, but dude, Denver hasn't won a game in a while. Denver's on a really bad losing streak right now. They lost to the Bucks, the Blazers, the Suns, the Bulls. They beat the Sixers. They lost to the Mavericks before that. They've been on a pretty, pretty bad skid. Uh, they did beat the Heat last game. That was a really good game by the Joker. I think they're going to kill the magic tomorrow and then lose to the Knicks. They're on, they're they're on a they're on a pretty heavy uh road trip right now. Miami, Orlando, New York, Chicago, New Orleans, San Antonio. Uh, wow. I I think I think this could be I think this could be a game where uh the Knicks kind of uh sneak in a one o'clock win here versus uh versus a Denver team that's uh that's traveling. So give me give me a nice little uh, two game win streak here after a pretty hard fought out battle in uh, I was gonna say New Jersey but in Brooklyn. <laughs> Where what do you got, man? What do you got for this game? You got the the Knicks winning. Or you got the Nuggets being the Knicks. Knicks will win by double digits. Wow! Holy cow! I like that. Yeah. I like that. I can see that. 
I can see that. The Nuggets he, have been struggling. Look, everything Malika said is on the nose. Like, they've been horrible. And here's the funny thing. Their defense is better than it was last year, but their offense is horrific. The Knicks bread and butter has always been and forever will be defense. They're gonna the only the only person that has a ch- there's only two people on this team that have a chance of having a good game, and that's Jokic because he's Jokic and Aaron Gordon because he's a Nick killer. Yeah. Anyone who's ever put on an Orlando Magic jersey. <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm not worried about anybody else. Like they they've scored less than a hundred. They're not worried about too Austin many Rivers? times this season. <laughs> I feel like Austin Rivers because he was on the Knicks. He has some, uh, you know, he may have this some. This could rights. be Austin like, Rivers' game. Another uh, uh, Rivers revenge game. <laughs> Before the show, when we were talking, I said Zion Williamson is the only person that <laughs> like. I for I'll add Austin Rivers to that list. <laughs> classic. That's classic. There we go. Drew All Austin right. Rivers and Doc. He won us a game. Remember that jazz game? Yeah, he did. Forever in my heart. He did. And he was hot. He was hot that second jazz game, man. He could have missed any. He could have missed a damn thing. And then Tiz pulled him. I was like, I was so confused why he pulled him. The dude was just nuclear. Um, but I agree with you guys. I got I got the Knicks defeating the Nuggets in this one. The Nuggets have really been struggling this season. I like the chances to actually finally defeat Denver, uh, especially being on the home court. If all we have to do is just focus on Jokic uh, and Aaron Gordon, I think the I think the Knicks can do that. Uh, and even though I just with an Austin Rivers game, I think if you have Emmanuel quickly on him with his good perimeter defense, or even Quentin Grimes, in my opinion, I think I think uh, I think the Knicks will be just fine uh, guarding the perimeter. Moving along, though, uh, we got the Knicks going on their mini road trip. Uh, First to start off with the San Antonio Spurs. So, John, how are you feeling with uh, how are you feeling with the Knicks? Why well, start? I, who do I start with? Larry or John? Who am I going back with now? Doesn't matter. No, no, no man. Right, for, forget it. Uh, John, back to you. Knicks versus Spurs. What do you got in this one, dude? Spurs have been hot. The last couple of games, they beat uh, the Celtics and the Wizards, and they put up a pretty good game against the Hawks. Uh, what feels like a century ago, right before Thanksgiving. Unfortunately for us, we fit right smidge in the middle of a Spurs. Kind of like uh, you were talking about a rough schedule. They got the Blazers, the Warriors, and the Suns on there road trip and then they come home they got the Knicks and then Nuggets Nuggets which is super weird but two games in a row versus them I think this is a loss man I think for us we always play badly versus Spurs probably because the coaching lineup right I I think Tim's is pretty easy to coach against if you're Popovich but that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there um, I can tell what time exactly people are going to get subbed in. I can only imagine what Popovich is doing during game film. But anyway, I think uh, the Spurs are going to run into a little bit of a, a losing streak here with the Warriors and the Suns, especially right before us. And I think we're going to get caught 
I think we're gonna I think we're gonna lose this game. Okay. Larry, what are all your thoughts that on this game? Sounds, all that sounds good. Well, I mean, for them, not us, but mm. the Knicks will be on three days rest. They play the Nuggets on the fourth, and then they're off until they play the Spurs on the seventh. Mm-hmm. While the Spurs will have to, even though it's not that far of a trip, they have to go back home from Phoenix and get ready for the Knicks the very next day. Now, their guard play is the best part of their team. Mm-hmm. Up until tonight, guard play has been the kryptonite for the Knicks. Yep. So we'll see. But I, the fact that the next the Knicks should be fresh with three days rest, and because they're on the road, not expecting Thibodeau to have any practices in between because they'll be traveling. So I think it bodes well for the Knicks. And, yeah, the Spurs have been playing – really well against some good teams, but they also got blown out by the Hawks the other night. They barely beat the Celtics, who've been struggling. I'm not worried about this game too much, especially given the fact that they'll be on the second night of a back-to-back. I think the Knicks win a close one because Popovich isn't going to really let the game get away from them. Knicks win this one. I think they go on a three-game win streak, to be honest. The Bulls... The Bulls have a chance in beating us, but I think they're going on three-game win streak, and then the toughest matchup will be the next Pacers. one. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Larry. Actually, I think the Knicks can catch the Spurs on this one. I, like the Spurs have been playing well uh, as of late, but as Larry pointed out, they struggled against the Celtics, who are also struggling, especially since they don't really have a playmaker and. I just think what, looking at this team and having such a slow start that they're having, I don't see them really start gelling until middle of the season. And based on, you know, even though they're in the Western conference and it's much more, it's, it's, it's a tough conference. It's top heavy, but it's still a tough conference. I still think the Knicks can get the Spurs uh, in this matchup early in the season, but moving on to the next matchup, Talk about the Indiana Pacers. Blair, I'm going to start with you. And you already alluded to it that you think that Knicks are going to lose this one. Why, why do you think the Knicks are going to lose this one? It's a tough one. I'm not entirely sure that they – I don't know if they lose. I mean, we beat them the last time we played them. But the Pacers are finally healthy. They beat us by double digits before they had a fully healthy team. Early in the season was the first couple weeks of the season. They lost by like 13 to the Pacers at, in Indiana. The last time we played them, I believe we were at home and we won that one, but not by much. Carlisle's a great coach. They they play terrific defense. They move the ball. Like they they're not the most talented roster, but they play basketball the way you would like basketball to be played like if you're a fan of basketball that's how you want your favorite team to play tough defense ball movement creating easy open looks for everyone the fucking point guard malcolm brogdon is such an amazing player he's so underrated such an amazing player the way he defends the decision making his ability to score and make it look he reminds me of like Kawhi leonard when he when he's 
scoring the ball. And not like that he's as good as Kawhi Leonard, but it just seems like nothing you throw at him really phases him. And you can never really speed him up, throw him off his game. And like I said, they're healthy now. They're healthy. And that's a scary team with with Ricardo running the show now. They have a legit head coach running the show now. It's not that dude from last year. I know. Yeah. So it's a tough my language, Larry. Speaking my language. I've been I've been praising. Be careful praising the Pacers here, man. You're gonna get slandered just like me. I've been I've been praising them all year as soon as they got Carlisle. And the Lambert trade was sick. I I, I'm really scared of these Pacers this Pacers team in general. Maybe not this specific game, but I am scared of this Pacers team, man. They're coming. You you mentioned trading Nerlens Noel earlier. If we could package like Noel, Kemba, and, and yes, and I throw in Mitch too. I give you whatever you want for the most part. There's only a few things I would have off the table if we were able to get Miles Turner in a trade. Uh, Carlisle definitely wants Mitch. I'm pretty sure he wants nothing to do with Nerlens Noel after what went on in Dallas. I think he's like suing Dallas. So I don't think he wants anything to do with that. But I, could, I know that Rick Carlisle goes to sleep dreaming about Mitch Robinson. I can I, I, I can I can I can guarantee that. That's like his prototype setter. Uh, but I actually I actually think. Uh, Although I agree with you and everything you said with the Pacers, I think this is going to be a W for the Knicks. And I think this is why another reason why this is going to be an L versus Spurs, because on the back to back Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, they're traveling from San Antonio all the way to Indiana. seems pretty unfair. I feel like they're going to be, I think they're waiting for this Pacers game. Uh, If you remember last time they played, it, it felt like a nineties Knicks game. I think that they feel that as well. Uh, it was like a muscle. That was a crazy. It was chippy at the end there too. There's always been a little rivalry between Sabonis and Randall. This is the typical RJ game. Like this is where RJ gets up, plays down and dirty. Uh, I got, I got it. I got to get this win. So give me three and one with the Spurs loss. And then we got the Raptors coming. I know I'm looking ahead, but we never beat the Raptors, so we'll, we'll probably catch that L two. Uh, but for now, for our purposes. Give me the Pacers win after the Spurs loss on the back-to-back. I talk so much trash about the Raptors on Twitter, but they beat the Knicks every time. Every time, bro. (laughs) Every time. Every single time. (laughs) Gross. But, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Larry on this one with uh, the Knicks losing to the Pacers because I think this is just a a matchup where we're just keep going back and forth. Pacers, guys. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, I don't like, I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I love nothing more than when the Knicks defeat the Pacers. Uh, I hate you, Reggie Miller. I need okay? it. Okay. I, I hate I listening to Reggie be- Miller today, too. He's so annoying. Yeah. Goodness gracious. But he said, uh, he said Brooklyn Knicks one time. I caught that. He's annoying. Yeah. He's trying to, trying to be funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I think based on what, I mean, I agree with all your points on the Pacers. They're a good team. They're starting to gel. They're starting to get into that. They're nine. They're nine and fourteen right now. They're they're on the rise. The team is starting to come together, and I just think that this is also just a matchup where they go back and forth. Like we win one, you lose one, or we win one, we lose one, we win one, we lose one. That's just kind of how this matchup feels. This team is just too. 
I feel like these teams are too evenly matched too, which is why we get that nineties feel. They, you know, the whole point of these two teams is to play team basketball, even though we do a lot more isolation than the Pacers and play gritty defense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if it's going to come down to isolation, even though there was better ball movement today, uh, if we're going to go to a grinding halt, this is just a game for the Pacers to come in here, keep moving the ball around, catch us on the heat, uh, the catch the Knicks on their heels on defense and just keep attacking. Uh, that's just how I kind of feel this game going. Also, you look at it. I mean, it just stinks to like look ahead uh, because you talk about it being a back to back. The one thing I will say, if I'm going to say back to back, we are actually winning the second of back to backs and not losing the first games, which is very interesting. Twice already. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Twice already we've done that. this way. Yep. And we close the third quarter today, Alex. Things are things are things are changing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I know things are trending in the right direction, but I could see that. That's the that's the thing I would give you, John, is that I could see that's the one. So annoying. Where I could man. see that. How, how do the Knicks lose and we're feeling good, and the Jets win and we're feeling bad? What the hell's happening? So annoying. It's New York it's sports, man. It's New York sports. But on that note, just to recap. All of us got this team going three and one. Uh, Larry and I are on the same page going Bulls with the Knicks being the Bulls, Nuggets, and Spurs and losing to the Pacers. John is going with defeating the Bulls, defeating the Nuggets, losing to the Spurs because they're looking ahead to defeat the Pacers the next day on the back, back to back. All right. The Spurs guys. Are nasty. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. So, Larry, please let our listeners know where they can find you. Uh, your work, everything. And thank you, man, for coming on to the show and uh, giving your hot takes. That's why we bring you on, man. All for the hot takes. Spicy <laughs> today. Uh, you can catch me. You can catch my articles on hoopshabit.com. I cover the Knicks and general NBA stuff. Um, I host the Rotten Apple Sports podcast. Comes out most of the time. We put out an episode once a week, every Thursday, but every now and then, like this week, we put out multiple episodes. If you see my background, Mad Max. Let's go. Met now, so we had to talk about that. Um, I also am one-fourth of the Culture Show on the Spotify Green Room app every Monday at 10. And I also host the Brink the Bank podcast with my boy Dion Hill and Xavier Santos. It's a gambling podcast for sports. Guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's always fun talking with you guys. Much appreciated. Much love. Appreciate it, Larry. Thank you for coming on, man. Uh, but everyone, thank you for tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And you know what to do if you're listening to this podcast, if you are, or if, if you listen to this podcast, or if you're listening to this podcast right now, please make sure to give us a five-star review and to leave a comment if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. But if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, it's okay. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Alexa, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. On top of that, you can also find us on YouTube. So make sure to go to the channel, subscribe, hit the like button, hit that notification bell, so that way you know when all these new episodes drop. And while you're there at the YouTube channel, you'll see that we have another podcast, Winning Picks Weekly. It's also part of the fan side of Minute Media Network as well. We got John. And we got our video producer, Greg, going down the weekly slates for the NFL. NBA gambling coming out soon. All right. These guys went 
were on fire last week. They're trying to keep this streak going after going three and zero on Thanksgiving Day. These guys are trying to keep it going. They had a good week overall. If you listen to the podcast, they've been they they've been killing it right now. John, I don't John, know about more Greg, so. But we had a good week. Yeah, John more so than Greg. Right John so more so than Greg. Sorry, Greg. But definitely go make sure to check that out. And then last but certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. Okay, we are all on the we're on all these platforms. Thank you everyone for tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks Jets, etc. podcast. We'll catch you later this week for the preview of the New York Jets game. Jets Eagles, baby. Let's go, Knicks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.